It's time for another episode of the three on Fightful. That guy right there is Johnny Christ. No relation. I'm Dennis Farrell. We're here to talk wrestling. Our top three, whatever it is this week, Johnny Christ, no relation. What are we doing? Well, this week we're going to do something a little different, Dennis. I don't know your last name. Um, we're, we're actually going to do something a little bit different. I know this is only our second episode, so it's funny to say we're doing something different this week. But um, uh, in all seriousness, given the light of the recent news in the wrestling world, uh, the loss of the Hall of Famer, Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, um, I thought we were talking before, and I thought it would be very, very uh, apropos of us to go back and talk about our favorite moments of Scott Hall's famed career. I've never met the guy, full disclosure. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done interviews with him or talked to him. No, I know a lot of people who knew him in mm-hmm. real life, which yeah. uh, unfortunately I let sway my opinion on him. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, right off the right off the rip, uh, I liked Scott Hall because of the WCW and WO stuff. I was not a big fan of Scott Hall the person, mm-hmm. um, but going back through uh, in this time. A lot of things changed my opinion on him. Uh, I, I knew about, you know, the redemption. I think I even watched um, a, a small little documentary on him and how he got clean and turned his life around. And I th- thankfully, I let that, you know, sway how I thought about him in the end. But it, it's it, it to me, it's weird because I, I know a lot of people. Um, I'm not calling anybody out, but I know a lot of people who hated his guts are, are uh, you know, a lot of the same people that are like, Scott Hall was my favorite wrestler in person. You go, ah, come on, really, man? Well, you know, I, you know, without, you know, the guy just passed away yesterday. Right. So for me, I want to, I want to emphasize the fact that he is a human being and he had a family, friends, uh, a life and outside of the ring. And I want to disclose that my point of bringing up that we didn't know the man is to say you can hear what you want about everyone, but we're we're talking about the Hall of Fame career and what it meant to the wrestling world. Uh, this guy did so much for the wrestling community, for a lot of people who looked up to him and became wrestlers later in their lives. Maybe they didn't get a chance to meet him. It doesn't matter. Uh, the bottom line is it's a very it's it is a real tragedy tragedy in the wrestling community, and I wanted to for me, share a lot of the stuff that I saw from him on the screen growing up watching him. And uh, I think there was a lot of times where he was my fav- my very favorite wrestler growing up in the 90s um, when he, I first saw him as, as the diamond stud in some matches like the I think last week we were talking and I couldn't remember the name of the of the match but it was the 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 chamber of horrors that had had some botches in it but he was part of that as the diamond stud and then later him coming onto the scene in the WWF as Razor Ramon some of the best promos I had ever seen at the time and then we'll get in some of the, into some of the matches in a second but I just want to say for me uh for those who were affected by his by his passing his friends and family those closest to him I want to give my heartfelt, uh, sincere uh, condolences and make sure that they that everyone who's watching this know we are talking about Scott Hall, the professional wrestler, and his moments and some of the things that he did as a professional wrestler through his famed, famed Hall of Fame career. And uh, I just want to 
get that out of the way before we get into this stuff. And the first thing I want to ask you, Dennis, is I'll get into some of my, my things before we even get into the three that we're talking about here. What were your first impressions? What was the first time you saw him on the screen as a wrestling fan? And what were your first impressions? Everything else aside. That's 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 interesting because that was something I was going to bring up here is a you could not have said that any better about the difference between Scott Hall, the entertainer and Scott Hall, the person and going back and doing my research for this podcast, I realized uh, in retrospect, I liked Scott Hall more than I wanted to admit I did. I went through and I was looking at these moments. I go, I remember that. I watched that. You know, I was a big WCW guy. I grew up. I, I, I consumed it. And he came in, created the NWO. And you know what? The, the sign of a good actor, a good wrestler, if you don't like the guy, he's doing the job right. It was a great heel. He was in. a fucking great heel, man. Amazing. And I didn't like him because I was a WCW guy. And... I, I always kind of carried that like, well, I mean, who, come on, you know, you're, you're, you're either a sting guy or a WCW guy. And I was a sting guy. I was a little stinger and going back and watching this as an adult now, not saying I wasn't a kid, but I was, I was younger. I knew wrestling <laughs> wasn't um, what it is, but I was still young enough to go. And at the time when, the NWO happened. It, it blurred that line of reality and what's real, what's not. So going back now with rose-colored glasses and life under my eyes, uh, I, I go back and I watch these moments. I go, I like Scott Hall more than I I, I wanted to admit then mm. because now I understand. I watch it. I get it. And, you know, I it, it, I, I I'm glad we're doing this. So I'm I'm. I'm and as I said, I was a huge fan. Um, I, I, I didn't learn about the backstories and everything like that till I became an adult. You know, when I was watching, uh, uh, even even the diamond set that I mentioned, I really didn't even realize that until I became a little older that that was the same guy going back. I mean, that seems silly to say now, but uh, you know, I I saw him for the first time um, doing his vignettes in the WWF before he came there as Razor Ramon the Cuban from Miami with the, the, the chauvinistic uh, uh, stuff that the vignettes again, that he had and the Chica stuff and, and machismo and stuff. And man, that was the first time I had seen stuff like that. I mean, that was in 92, 93. And uh, I just, I remember immediately going, I don't like this guy. And it was, and that was before I even saw him in the ring. That's how good of a heel he really was. Like his vignettes just, just kind of set up the tone already. And this is, and then he makes his debut and on superstars later. And man, it's, I'm, I'm really excited to go back to some of these things. Cause when, when I texted you and I said, I think we should do that this way. I think this three should be our top Scott Hall moments. Um, I already had three in my mind, but I wanted to make sure. I rewatched those three moments and make sure that they were the top three and they still are. And we'll get into why those moments are for me. And you asked me what, and I, and I still remember to this day, the first time I saw Razor Ramon and I thought, Holy cow. Um, I was in St. Louis visiting my grandmother, our next door neighbor at the time, Dennis Johnson. 
uh, all the neighborhood kids went to his house. And for whatever reason that night, and his mom was a big wrestling fan. And, you know, I was a big wrestling fan. Uh, we were out back, you know, playing like midnight wiffle ball or something. And we came running in. I turned the corner and here's this guy, you know, at a restaurant talking about how he eats all the greatest food in the world <laughs> and, and all this stuff. And I, I, I don't remember the gist of it, but at the end of it, he's sitting back. He's, you could tell he's kind of full. He's got this, you know, oh yeah. And the guy waiter comes by goes to put down a check. He puts his hand on top of this, like slams. It goes, what are you doing? And the guy's like, I- I'm-, I'm bringing you a check. He goes, I'm raising Ramon. I come in here and people know I'm here. Uh, everybody's going to want to come in here. You take this check, you get it out. And then as he goes on, he gets more and more angry. He goes, what do you, do you want me to mop the floor now? Do you want me to clean your teeth with my toothpick? He's like, do you want me to clean off the table? And he just, throws it all on the floor. He goes, huh? To me right there, that moment, I go, holy cow, who is yeah. this guy? Right. I think that's a lot of people that seen those vignettes was the, was the time where you're like, it, it, to me, that's when he came into his own as, as a performer. And, and a lot of times we'll, you know, you'll hear and you'll talk about uh, uh, wrestlers uh, turning the, their lives up to 11 or whatever it is. It's, it's already a reflection of, of who they are, who they want to be, and just going with that persona just a little bit more. And that's how they create these characters. And uh, those are usually the best ones that come across. I'm not saying that's how he was in his real life, not pretending to know that. But uh, it, to me, it was just, it was such an interesting character. And then he kind of aligns right away with Ric Flair in the WWF at the time and Mr. Perfect. And it just made kind of perfect sense at that time. Like, came out by himself for a second and then he was right in, in line with those guys who were you know, styling and profiling limousine riding. Yeah. Mr. Perfect is the henchman. You got Ric Flair who's got it all. And then you got, you know, Razor Ramon who's throwing toothpicks in people's face. Something happens to the gold, something going to happen to you. And you could clearly hear him say it as he throws the toothpick into the eye. And uh, speaking of real quick, I got to, I got to pay a little homage to the bad guy. I got myself it? a little, I got myself a little, no, no, I ain't going to be throwing it around, uh, but I'm throwing it. You're not going to flip in. the toothpick at the camera. Come on. Maybe we'll get there at the end. Let's see it. Let's see how it goes. Chico. Jeez. I got, this is why I love you. This, <laughs> this is, this, I, I, I've been excited because I knew coming into this podcast, we're going to have two different point of views, but at the end, it's going to be, we're going to love the guy. Um, so this is great. So let's start. Do you, you know what? But we start, start the three because I'm interested to see what your number three is. So it's very I like my number three because it is so much my childhood. Right. Um, he didn't even win this match. But when I watched it for the first time, it was such a shock. And looking back on it, having hindsight and seeing what it, it, what it would mean for wrestling. Um, and this is even a lot of people right now are thinking, oh, he's going to NWO. I'm not even going there yet. When he fought the kid on Monday Night Raw and lost, this was the first time I think I had seen one of the schlubs that were on Superstars and everything. This was back in the day when they didn't have real matches. They had the guys just literally come out to get beat up before the pay-per-views. And the kid was one of those guys. Later, after that match, he would be known as the 1-2-3 kid, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, 
everything that he would do later in his career spawned from this one moment, one moment rather of Razor Ramon putting him over on Monday Night Raw. It's a quick two minute match, but he put he puts him over. He throws him in. By the way, one of my favorite things that uh, Scott Hall always had was that side stretch. He had one of the coolest looking side stretches on an opponent. He just he really lengthened the guy out and really, really sold that side stretch all the way to the backward slam. He had it all going on. And in that match, then out of nowhere, the, 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 the reverse off the top and one, two, three becomes the one, two, three kid. And I think that that was such an, such an interesting and important time for Monday Night Raw too, because up to that point, I mean, I'm sure there's some people who can put in the comments here and prove me wrong. But I personally hadn't seen one of these uh, lower named guys take on a superstar and actually win at that time. It was a big shock. And for them to do it on a flagship show like Monday Night Raw, I was blown away as a kid. You're right. Kind of looking back in retrospect uh, and going trying to go back into my eyes at that moment. I don't know if I ever saw something like that or if I did, I it, it wasn't memorable. And Scott Hall made that memorable. And when you were telling me this, uh, my honorable mention, which would have been my number four, for a lot of moments I was trying to keep that at number three, but I ended up having to bump it out, was the promo afterwards that I still remember like to this day where he he comes out, he's like, I want a rematch, here's $2,500. And as a kid, I've never saw I didn't know what $2,500 looked like. Right. And I mean, that was a, that was a whole feud that lasted up until a pay-per-view. I mean, that was, that was the break for Sean Waltman. And that's, I mean, to me, and then as we all know, and become fans of wrestling, Sean Waltman goes on to have this amazing wrestling career and becomes one of the guys that, you know, uh, outside of the, the luchadors for us in America, we hadn't seen a lot of people who can do that fair, like at, as, as an American in that level of, of the martial arts stuff, the high flying stuff. Um, you'd seen it enough. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he was like one of the pioneers of it, but he was one of the ones that started to showcase it. You started seeing the kicks a little bit more. You started seeing some martial arts being put into wrestling. And that was, you know, I mean, as corny as it was, cause it was a little bit more karate kid at the time, but that's what martial arts were to people. Everyone's got to realize when they go back and watch this stuff, that's what we knew martial arts was. We did. It wasn't this big phenomenon that it is now. And uh, when you were talking about Waltman, not to just make it, but outside of the silly little few minutes Shawn Michael was was in the NWO, and I haven't done research. Shawn Waltman, you said Michaels, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, I got no, you. Shawn Michaels was in the NWO when they were in the WWE for that short time. There was like oh, a short- oh, oh yeah 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 in the after yeah after the after WCW was gone. Okay, yeah, I got you. in, yeah, in yeah. the late two thousands. Okay. Uh, he, I think Waltman might be the only guy who was in the NWO and DX. So that's right. That that's a huge accomplishment in itself. So all right, right, that, right. Uh, to me, that was a that was a big moment in wrestling history for me. My number three, and like I said, this was tough because uh, I I didn't ha- I didn't have the. Uh, the Razor Ramon love because I didn't grow up on it. I, I've caught mm-hmm. a few stuff. I, you know, I saw the early 92 stuff, the, the climb to greatness in the WWF 
I missed because I was a WCW guy, admittingly. Uh, I knew who Razor Ramon was. Uh, I will say for my number three, you were talking about SummerSlam 92. And with Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect and, and, and right there, for me, when I saw him starting to be aligned with those guys, because I love who didn't love Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect. That was, those were my guys, you know? Right, right. In, Especially you being a WCW fan, obviously, them yep. coming from the NWA and AWA era and Ric Flair was, you know, the ultimate you, heel against Sting in the WCW before he made it over to the WWF. And in 92, I was still watching WWF, you know, superstars mm-hmm. and, you know, sat, was it Saturday night or Saturday afternoon? Saturday, uh, Saturday morning superstars was, yes. it was, came out right before Monster Truck Rally. Ooh, look at this guy. I like this. So, <laughs> but I was still watching at that time. So when you see a guy be aligned with those two guys, you go, he's a big deal. So I'm going to say the SummerSlam 92 match in admittedly, I don't remember too much about that match. I once again, you got to remind I, me because I you got to tell me who was in the match. Uh, you know what? I have it in my notes, and this is how you know I'm genuine here because I I, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, I love that match, and uh, and, and they probably watched it or read about it and want to protect. I I strictly remember this match, and we're all I'm going off of memory here. On a lot That's of thirty my... years, by the way. Let's, let, let's cut Dennis, whatever the fuck his last name is, uh, a break here because this is thirty years ago, guys. Yeah, right. Th- thank you for that, by the way. Uh, let me hear because I, I started writing down notes. Like I took this one seriously, and I did it, and I tried to do it by memory of. Uh, all right, uh, what do I remember? What do I like? And it was um, SummerSlam '92. There it is. There's my notes. It was Razor Ramon, Ric Flair, and Mr. Perfect. Uh, Mr. Perfect and Randy Savage. Uh, let's see here. Here's the notes I have. Ramon was a strong singles wrestler at the time, 92. He got to work with Ric Flair in a tag encounter. Ramon ended up breaking the pinfall. It was a no DQ match. If uh, And once again, I don't remember too much of the match, but I just remember the lead in where you start seeing this guy be aligned. So yeah, uh, it was Razor Moan, Ric Flair versus Mr. Perfect and Randy Savage, uh, 19, 1992. So go, go look up that match. Uh, in retrospect, I did watch the highlights, uh, to, to kind of remi- remind myself it was a good match. It was, you know what? He's a great no- in ring performer. Nobody loves nostalgia like me. And that brought me back to, you know, uh, the not being able to watch the pay-per-views and then the next night you they 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 only show the flashes of the moves a couple yeah, moves they, match. yeah when they always used to show just the the the, the still photos of it yeah yep yeah we you know we you know kids uh back <laughs> in our day we didn't have that youtube or a network pay-per-views were expensive and uh right. my parents were not buying a ton of pay-per-views for me <laughs> at that time now was that the summer slam 92 was that the one that was outdoors and they did it and was it in in london or was that the following year 93 um well uh why don't you keep asking that question so i can google it and pretend <laughs> i know the answer for you no i just I, I remember he was in a lot of SummerSlam, especially uh being an intercontinental uh guy you know most predominantly in the wwf he was often uh in in feuds for the intercontinental championship and those 
as I recall as a kid, the Summer Slams always had, you know, the the, the main title belt uh, being up for grabs. But the best matches I remember from those were always the tag team title and the Intercontinental title for SummerSlam seemed to be the best matches of those pay-per-views. Well, I will tell you from memory, not I listen, I did not Google <laughs> it. I remember this right off the top. Come on, Chico. Come yeah. on, Chico. You can do uh, better than that, Dennis. Yeah, it was in London. Great call, by the way. Wembley Stadium, the main event, Ultimate Warrior versus Macho Man. Right. Okay. I do so, remember this one. So go and nothing beats those old Summer Slams. They're so good. They're so, so. good. Especially at Wembley, man, that was fucking huge. I remember watching that one. That was one of the ones where they had like guy on the street and he was going up the line and they showed everyone just like Bret Hart it out. Everybody was Bret Hart that 92. Everybody was Ultimate Warrior. Everyone was Macho Man. It was it was an incredible time. And and not in this once again from memory, but I do remember that was the one where the uh, Road Warriors came in on the motorcycle. Harley's. Yeah, that was the first time they did that. That was the very first time they did that. I remember watching that. My parents did actually. My my dad was a ginormous wrestling fan. I think we touched this on our first episode. And that's how I got into wrestling. And he would spend the money for himself on that. And subsequently, I got to watch all these. Oh, nice. My my dad was in the later years, so I got a lot of the bad WCW pay-per-views. Hey, there's there's no bad. In hindsight, they were bad at the time, but they're not bad now because we have those fucking memories. Well, you know what? Here's the here's and not the and this is why I like the show. We go off on a tangent, but I I I say this all the time. When we were kids watching wrestling, honestly, I didn't know what was good or bad wrestling. No, I, fuck no. I was just happy to watch wrestling and everybody likes the crap on the, you know, the very late end 2000s WCW before they shut down. And don't get me wrong. I could be one of the first people to help jump on in retrospect. But at that time, I liked it because it was wrestling. It was it, it. And at that time, I was older. I recognized that it was not great wrestling. But you know what? It didn't stop me from watching it. I liked it. Yeah. No, I mean, for me at this time that we're that this era that we're talking about, I hate to use the the word the the words that start with R and F, but uh, I was still fully in. I was involved in uh, in these matches as if uh, they were life and death. Let's just put it that way. How hard is it to uh, talk and cut a promo with a toothpick in your mouth? It's actually fucking genius. He was a brilliant man for having this. I, this is the first time I'm trying to pull this off, and I'm like, I could get used to this. Uh oh! Oh, <laughs> this is this is a new thing. Look for drinks with Johnny toothpicks coming out this fall. Hey, by the way, these ones are uh, Scotch flavored. I'm not gonna lie; I got these for Christmas for my wife. So I got Scotch flavored uh, toothpicks with my red wine. It's it's a nice combo. <laughs> I love it, man. All right, uh, I guess I'll Move start out number two with my number two. Let's go. Um, I and once again, I didn't want to put this on my list. It was one of those things, you know, the one thing I'm starting to find when I make my top three lists and, you know, I started doing not just this, but like my top three favorite finishes and stuff, just having fun and figuring things out. There are obvious things that you don't want to put on the list because sometimes you just want to be smarter than everybody else. But when it comes down to it, that's spoken like that's spoken like a true, true wrestling fan right there, by the way. It, I, it, I, I, I got to be against the grain no matter what. That's a true wrestling fan. It is. And, <laughs> and 
the last couple of days. Uh, everybody talks about this match. And I was like, there's so many Scott Hall moments. I'm not even going to put it on my list. I know where you're going because it's probably my number two as well. Yep, yep. It's Scott Hall, Shawn Michaels, ladder match, WrestleMania 10. Uh, and, and you know what? In full disclosure, and this is another reason why I like doing this with you, is we can, because my list kind of morphed three or four different times. And mm-hmm. for the longest time, my number two was going to be the Scott Hall uh, Hall of Fame induction speech. Ooh, that's a great one. That's that a was, great one. That that admittedly was going to be my number two. And I, I, I'm glad that I could still bring it up here because I I was I was just so mad when I had to do that final list and I sat there and I said, Come on, man, you're full of nobody. It doesn't matter. It you know, you know why everybody talks about Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, WrestleMania 10 ladder match? Because it was, it was fucking brilliant. Fucking it was great. fucking brilliant. So so don't try to be one of those smart wrestling fans and shit on it because it was so great. That's what I found myself doing. And here I am, number two, Sean. My, I mean, see, I, now I kind of want to be that kind of wrestling fan and move it from my number two to my number one, just to fucking spite what you did. But I'm going to leave it at my number two and agree with you. And you, you keep talking about what, what you want to talk about here, Dennis, with no last name. And I'll, I'll chime in when I feel like it. And, and I'll say this. I actually went back today and watched the video of Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. I think it was done a year or two ago where they were sitting down and watching that match together. And one of the most interesting things I've never thought about was, you know, this was kind of the biggest ladder match at the time. There were ladder matches and they've been done before, but this was the ladder match at a WrestleMania. Madison square fucking garden. And they said, there was only one ladder in the whole building and it was in that match. And they said, there were a couple of times where they were pointing out where the ladder's bending or it should have broken. It said, if that ladder broke, we'd still that be was standing it. here. Yeah. They, yeah. He didn't have a backup ladder. And I think they mentioned either a year later when they did the ladder match again, they actually had two ladders and the crowd went crazy. Cause they, you know, two ladders. Yeah. And to us, we're going like, Oh my God, this is, this has got to be part of it. And they're like, no, this is, ne- this is necessary. We learned it from the last one. Exactly. <laughs> you, you, and they're like, you go back. And you watch, there were several times where we're cringing, hoping that ladder doesn't break. Mm. And he's like, you know, we didn't really know the psychology of how to have a ladder match. There were times where people thought I should slide back in the ring and set it up and go for a pin. This was Scott Hall. He goes, but uh, in my mind, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels had just whooped me up and down the road with this ladder. I I wanted to give him his. And you go, I didn't even think about that. So... Uh, That's a brilliant psychology just to talk about in ring. Everyone could talk about the fucking outside shit. I don't give a flying fuck. I'm a wrestling fan. I watch what I watch. I don't need to read the dirt sheets. I don't need to know about the man's life outside of it. I'm a fucking wrestling fan. And that match and his psychology, every time I saw Scott Hall, Razor Ramon in his prime, walk into the fucking ring and walk into the squared circle, he fucking dominated he fucking dominated in a way that the psychology was was planned out. He knew how to work that particular match with whoever it was. And I think he was so underrated at that. And I think it was because, unfortunately, he, a lot of his outside-the-ring shit overshadowed it. But when you look at his raw talent and what he was able to do, 
he's up there with the fucking all-time greats, man. You, uh, on a different show one night, because Scott Hall had his ups and certainly he had his well documented downs. And, uh, you know, I said in his prime, motherfucker, I said in his prime. No, no, I'm just saying, <laughs> though, there, there were, you know, even in his low spots in life, he had some great, funny great matches. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and one day when we're not celebrating Scott Hall, because this is a great, funny story, but it's not the show to tell it. Petey, Petey Williams, one of my best friends, tells me a great story when he was in TNA doing the little Petey pump, the Scott Steiner uh, gimmick. He had yeah. a great talk with uh, with uh, Hall, but that's for a different time. Uh, let, let, let me cut you off there real quick, Jabroni. Uh, yeah. We're going to get into a little bit of a little bit of that in a second, but uh, I, I want to get back to this match because to me, you're, you're talking about uh, how it's wrestling fans don't want to admit how great of a show or how great of a match that was or put it in their top 10. But motherfucker, I, that was the first ladder match that I had ever seen at WrestleMania 10. I was 10 years old at WrestleMania 10 watching that at home. It was the most epic match I had ever seen to that point in my life to the point where I had bunk beds in my, with the, with the room that I shared with my two older brothers and a, and a wrestling buddy. And for months after that, I pretended that that bunk bed was the ladder and we were, and I was falling off that motherfucker into the middle of the living, into the middle of that bedroom and pretending I was Razor Ramon going up against Shawn Michaels. It was, it was a very huge moment for me um, to be able to see that epic. I mean, it was a long match too. They gave him time and it was, there's a reason why they went back to it again later uh, for that SummerSlam when there was supposed to be another match. But they went back to that because they were like, that shit was fucking epic. We got to do that again. I, 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 I listen to that story with jealousy, by the way, because there are other matches where I did that kind of stuff. But sometimes you sit back and go, man, I wish I had that connection to that match because it was so great. And, and hearing you tell that story, I do. And going actually back and, and probably over the last four days, I watched that match three different times. And, you know, each time I watched it and I started getting younger and younger and younger again. And it's amazing how you love something, then you move on from it. And then, you know, 30 years later, you go back to it and you go, this, this is why I love wrestling. Dude, the spots too. Like that was, that was the first time I saw Shawn Michaels pull the Ric Flair spot where you got to pull down and, so, and show his ass from the top of the ladder too. I was like, what, what the, I didn't understand why that made sense at the time, but looking back at it now, I was like, you know, all the ladies want to see Shawn Michaels ass at that time. Let's, let's, let, let's give it, let's give him a little bit of pay-per-view action. Right. And not the takeaway from Scott Hall here, but you know, we're not even touching on one of the most iconic entrances in, in the WWF at that time where you had, you know, Shawn Michaels with Diesel behind him and he's coming in, he's got the glasses on and yep, this is the sexy boy, sexiest boy, you know, every clip of WWE you see always somehow has to work in that, that image of him walking down that aisle for that match. Right. I mean, so many different iconic moments out of this that that you piece together once again in retrospect and you go you know why why wouldn't this be on my top easily 10 of all time right i mean you just nailed it right there there's so much the inflammation of what that what that uh ladder match meant what 
it wasn't just a ladder match to have a ladder match. Again, you got to remember what the buildup was. Shawn Michaels had been out, had been uh, uh, on hiatus for a minute, but had to vacate the title. Razor picks up the title. You got two titles, two intercontinental titles up there. And the only way to settle it is with a fucking ladder match. This wasn't a gimmick match just to have a gimmick match. This was a match that made sense with the storyline. And that's another thing that you got to remember. It was a buildup to something at WrestleMania 10 that in all honesty, I can't tell you the rest of the matches at WrestleMania 10, but I could tell you, I watched that fucking match. Uh, I agree. Absolutely. Now, you and I, by the way, we don't talk about our list beforehand, so we nah. don't know. I love but... not talking about it, by the way, because I had no idea what the fuck you were going to say. Now, here we come to number one. Uh, oh, by the way, anything else on number two you want to say before we move on? I just want to say, yes, there were ladder matches before. And again, this was the first ladder match that I had seen. And still, I've seen a lot of great ladder matches over the years. I mean, you could put all the high flyers, the Hardy Boys, everything that had happened, the extreme high flying, some of the casino matches that we've seen now in AEW, the the high stakes, uh, uh, money in the bag matches, everything. The to me, in my wrestling world, these all spawned from this one match, and I think that's another reason why I think uh, it's in my top three Scott Hall moments because. Again, it's something, at least for me and probably for a lot of people, it changed the way I watched wrestling on that very night. And to me, that's that's the reason why it's a top two tonight and probably, to your point, a top ten of all time. I, I'll, I'll say this and kind of to equate it with music is a lot of times you ask someone, hey, uh, you know, maybe what's your favorite Weezer, Foo Fighter, whatever album, and everybody goes – you know, it's the first one they ever put out, you know, most of the time they buy it and they listen to it five, six, seven, eight times. And although they've had, you know, look at Weezer, uh, they, they might've had two other albums that were way better. That's always going to be your favorite because that was your first. And that's, you know, it doesn't matter how many great ladder matches came before that, how many great ladder, ladder matches came after that. That's your ladder match. That's my ladder match, baby. You're absolutely right. But that, I, I do kind of hate that analogy because I am still creating music and I hate every time I hear it, it was better the first fucking time. So let's move on. Oh, <laughs> by the way, first album is always the best for me. Fuck you, Dennis. Let's You're go. welcome. All right. Number one. Um, and unfortunately, I have a feeling it's the same number one. Uh, do you want me to go first? I'm really interested to hear what you, what you have to say. So, yeah, let's go. The year was 1996 and WCW. Yeah, we got the same fucking one. All right, yep. let's go. There there was a pay-per-view called Bash at the Beach. Oh, uh, no, this isn't my favorite. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Same oh. year, different time. Let's go. Bash at the Beach. You know, uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, you know, we're, we're under the assumption that they're from up north because they're being vague and they have a secret third guy and they're going to take on the baby faces of Lex Luger, Sting and Macho Man Randy Savage. Speaking and, of oh, the three, right? Speaking of the three, who's going to be the third man? Who's going to be the third man, right? And the match is going great. And, and then Mabel the, comes out and it ruins the whole fucking thing. Right. <laughs> fucking Mabel. Um <laughs> Hulk Hogan comes out, and once again, I was a savage guy. I was never a Hulkamaniac. I did enjoy him. I'm not going to lie, but it's, to me, uh, not to do the music thing again, uh, for me, it was if you were a savage or a Hogan guy, 
but it was like the Beatles or the Stones. You were not both. You were always one or the other. So you were a little bit more of a fucking rebel is what you're saying. Cause, cause in the eighties, it was, it was King Macho Man, Randy Savage, as I remember it. And, uh, you know, the, the crown, everything that was, that was, I, I, I kind of vibe with you on that. I mean, I grew, I was a little younger, so I was a Hulkamaniac, but looking back on it, I could be like, Macho Man was my guy probably too. See, we, you, one one of those things you probably don't want to admit it because you don't want to be the bad guy. But yeah, and uh, Hogan comes down to save the day and then he turns on Macho Man. And it was the first time ever in my life I've ever seen fans throw food and napkins and beer cans into a ring. And, you know, even though it was like the Hogan moment, the 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 formation of the NWO at that moment. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Uh, it changed wrestling. It, you know, I at that point I was a fringe wrestling fan. You know, you, you kind of catch it, but you're chasing women around at that time, and you know you don't want to admit you like wrestling, but you know secretly you're you you would watch it on you know Monday nights whenever we've talked about our Monday night wars and all that stuff. So. Uh, that moment right there changed wrestling. It sucked me back in. What, what did I just watch? What, what's going to happen next week? Hulk Hogan, a bad guy. Oh my gosh. This is, you know, uh, it was bigger than Roman Reigns. It was what everybody wanted John Cena to do. This was that game changing moment in the wrestling industry. They did it perfect. Uh, When Hogan came down, I never once thought, you know, now we like to think we're the smartest people, people in the room and we see something coming a mile away. But at that moment, no one knew that was, no one knew that shit was coming. Nobody knew. I didn't see it coming. coming. Yeah. yeah, I, 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 I agree. That's probably the, Timeline moment in history where wrestling changed, right? When when Hogan turned heel. Now, I will 100% agree that that is probably a bigger moment. I will argue it's a bigger moment for the NWO and Hulk Hogan and not necessarily a Scott, Scott Hall moment, but we won't hold that against you tonight because um, that was, was a there. fucking brilliant moment. He was yeah. there. Not only was he there, he was the guy. He came down with Kevin Nash, just the two of them to go against three guys. And the match the match. Ding, ding, ding. The bell goes. It's two on three. They Things start happening. And then here comes Hogan. Like, oh, he's about to clean up the joint. We're getting these outsiders out of here. Boom. He turns heel. And oh, my God. What a fucking moment. Bash of the beach. I I cannot agree with you more that that's, that's in the top five of wrestling moments in history for me. Go back and listen to that promo at the end where Mean Gene Bobby. gets in the ring. Bobby, oh, at the end. Okay, okay. Yeah. You're going to the end. I'm going Bobby Heenan's legit shock or what seemed like legit shock when, when Hogan turns. The way that he, he immediately goes, I told you from the beginning there was something wrong with that guy because he'd always been the heel talking shit on Hogan since yes. he'd seen Hogan. And he immediately goes, and I heard uh, Eric Bischoff, uh, a, 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 a friend of mine, on on his podcast, eighty three weeks re, uh, recall this moment is that we didn't tell Heenan this was going to happen necessarily, and because I wanted a genuine reaction, man, because I knew it was one one or two ways I was going to go, and he went with the way that Eric might not have necessarily loved at the time, according to Eric, but it was the perfect way to go. 
because he just went full character. Now we've got a whole history of Heenan versus Hogan, and he's not skip. He's still against Hogan, but now it's you know. In in that in that moment, not only does Hogan turn heel, Heenan almost turns uh, babyface. babyface for the first time ever. Yeah. And it's just kind of, and it just kind of happened. Boom, boom. And that's not something that happens in wrestling very often. Nope. Uh, but that in promo with Hall, Nash and Hogan and the trash and you have mean Gene like, Hulk, what do you do? You know, in that promo and you, you just see, you know, those guys in the back in what happens after that, I tell you, go back and go back. If you, even if you've watched it, but you haven't watched it in the last year, go back and watch that, the promo at the end. It, yeah. You just feel the industry change at that moment. And Scott Hall was part of that. And I don't, once again, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I, I don't know if that was a Hulk Hogan only promo or if Hall and Nash delivered anything in the middle of it fuzzy memories but i i, I when we're done with either. this i'm gonna pull it up gonna... i don't i don't recall if they had anything to say or no i'm sure they did at the end uh but i do know that they were in the ring kicking trash and talking to the crowd and shit for sure so that's uh yeah that's my number that's, that's number my one. number what's so yours mine is a precursor to that because once again for me i'm watching loving Razor Ramon in the WWF. I'm also watching the WCW and I'm a guy who's flipping back and forth between the two companies. And on Monday night nitro, whatever episode it was, someone can tell me exactly what episode it was out of the crowd walks in Scott Hall in a leather vest, leather pants, boots, couple of toothpicks in the middle of a match, stops the match right in the middle, grabs the microphone and starts calling out everybody in the WCW. Where the big boys play, what a joke, this and that. He's going off, cuts one of the best promos I've seen. And all the while, it's live. That's the other thing. It's not a vignette anymore. This is a live promo he's cutting, and he doesn't miss a fucking beat. And to me, I lost my shit when I saw that. I was like, I was just on the other channel, And here's the other part that I will be completely candid about. I was so naive. I knew that there was a fake Razor Ramon and everything like that. I I didn't know. I just thought he was on hiatus at the time. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, are the two companies merging? What the fuck is going on? I'm like all of 12 years old at the time watching this live. He comes in, cuts this beautiful promo. To your point of mean gene, he calls him scheme gene and goes off and like, oh, God, it was such a beautiful moment. And then later in the night, goes straight to the booth, calls Eric Bischoff. Uh, what does he call him? Uh, uh, Kendall. Kendall. Yeah. Calls him a fucking Kendall and says, you, you know, we're taking over. Who's we? Who's we? And everyone's going, who the fuck is we? This was like one of the most that to me. As much as the as the Hogan turning point was monumental, this was the this was the genesis of that. This was him coming in. I had never seen a wrestler come in from the fucking crowd like that for my for my dollar from my time. I watched Scott Hall walk into the ring as Razor Ramon in a in a facade that I had never seen before. I'd only seen him as Razor Ramon. I mean, as I said before, you watch back and Diamond Stead had been in the WCW. I didn't get that connection. 
I just saw Razor Ramon walk in and say he's about to take over WCW. And he wasn't alone. And to me, that's the moment that truly changed wrestling. That's the moment to me that truly started the Monday Night Wars. Nitro had already brought in Luger on a fucking night that he was just headlining two nights before WWF. And then he's on Nitro. And I was like, well, that's odd. But he came down the ramps. I was like, oh, that's just a cross promotion. I've seen that kind of shit before. This was a time when it was like, oh, shit's getting real here. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but this is cool, and it has my attention. You didn't even mention the best part of that promo where he's like, you know who I am, but you <laughs> don't know why I'm here. Yes. And, uh, brilliant, Dennis. Brilliant. And, and that right there, I, I can still remember that, and I'm like, you know, because it once again, t- it took me a second, like, Nah, that's not real. That's is that razor? No, because nah. I at that point I was kind of ninety nine percent WCW at that point. I drew my line of sand. I was ready for this war, and uh, unfortunately, history told me I picked the wrong side in the end. But you know, well, you know, there's a lot of reasons on that, and you know, we won't, we don't have to get into that tonight. Well, I'm sure there'll be many more episodes we could get into that business side of some bullshit and everything. But I, you know, I'm just. I'm just a wrestling fan through and through. I watched both. I, I had the ability to watch both. I loved both. And, you know, to, to me, I, I, that was a great moment. That was the reason moments like these that we're talking about, Dennis, in all seriousness, are the reason why we're fucking wrestling fans. We could sit back and critique it retrospectively and come in and talk about which, which, why one's better than the other, anything like that. At the end of the day, we're talking yeah. fucking wrestling. And it just dawned on me, and I want to clarify something for the people that are still watching this. At the beginning, it may have sounded- wait, wait, there's people still watching this? Hi, guys. Uh, <laughs> it may have sounded like I was shitting on Scott Hall or shitting on the people in their memories. I was just trying to illustrate that I'm trying not to be a poser fan. You, right. you know what I mean? Like, I try to be honest in my fandom. Hey, just try less. Just try less. They, they, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, just hit me. But, you know, I, I want to be honest in my fandom because there are a lot right. of times I have to go look things up in retrospect or, you know, um, a lot of the guys like they're they're knowing wrestlers. You and I both know wrestlers as fans and as friends. And there are some guys out there that used to be my hero or used to be guys that I loved that I've met in person. And I was like, wow, what a, what a complete asshat. Now I'll be honest. I've not heard uh, outside of the darkest days, which you, you understand now, but I've not heard anybody tell a bad story about Scott Hall. It, and all, and I've heard, and I've reached out to a lot of people who were really good friends with them. Uh, there are some very funny stories, but not a not a bad word about them. Right. And you know, lastly, before we wrap this up, I want to point out another great thing about Scott Hall. That's not a top three moment. It's just a moment, uh, or just a a thing about his career that I loved. And as a kid, I looked up to so much. Finishing moves in my day meant so much. They meant so fucking much. And the showmanship of it, it wasn't just a power bomb. It was the fucking razor's edge. And it wasn't just, let me throw you up in a crucifix and fall down with you. It, when I put your ass between these fucking, when I put your head between these legs, 
and I tell you, it's over. I mean, that that showmanship right there sells me every time. Like, anyone who hasn't seen this is watching this now, maybe a younger fan, doesn't quite grasp what a finishing move was supposed to be in the 90s. This is one of them. This is one of those times. This is, this is pre-rock letting you know the people's elbows coming. And that was fun. That was great. The sidewalk slam leading up to it. This was a precursor to that. You threw the head down and you knew it was over. And, and as I'm thinking about it, even before that, bang, it's coming. He's pointing at himself, jacking it up before he even puts your head between there. And you know this finishing move is coming. And that's, that's, that's showmanship. That's, that's, that's wrestling psychology of the 90s done at its finest, in my opinion. You know, and I don't want to be a one-upper, but you just brought up something that uh, you, you hit the nail on the head, and I I didn't even think of it. The the you know he's a founding member of the NWO. The NWO now, which the Bullet Club was based after, uh, you know they the two sweet people still do it to this day. You uh, all elite, everybody does it. Uh, so the culture, the, the ripples of what Scott Hall has been a part of that still exists to this day in wrestling, there are probably things that I've not even mentioned, although I just only mentioned one, but yeah. that, you know, that, that you go, that came from Scott Hall, you know, uh, the other thing I was going to say was I, the survey, every, every survey says, one more for the good guy. Yes. I I I remember watching that and the crowd could be booing and it didn't bother him one bit. He's like, another they one. They only booed for a few weeks though. Once yeah. everyone came around, I'm telling you, man, everyone was rooting for the NWF. But the but you know what? The way he said, uh, are you here to see WCW? You know, <laughs> the, the way go back. I didn't even do no, that no, justice. No. The no. way he go, WCW, like, come on, really, guys? Or are you here to see the NWO? Right? Yeah. And that was, admittedly, yeah. Uh, I that went That playing to the crowd was amazing, too. That was the first time you see someone play to the crowd in, in that way. You know, I mean, that was survey says. It's as silly as it sounds. It was so impactful. I did go out because uh, back in my fandom days, I had an NWO shirt. I did uh, go on Amazon Prime and buy me a Scott Hall and an NWO shirt just because of him. So, yes, I well, did. Do I, that. I, I will have to say I got to buy this one a little bit bigger next time. Cut out the arms and cut out the sides because you got to be able to throw it up. That's the other thing. A lot of people <sighs> just cut off the sides. You got to cut off the fucking sides too, the sleeves and the sides. That's Scott how Hall. you wear it. The, the Scott Hall, that's the way he wore it. And I loved it where he come out and he just put it to the his shirt to the side. So you see the belt and you'd be like, yeah. The I outsiders, mean, baby. Yes. He, he had all the swag before anyone knew what the fuck swag was. You, you are, you are so correct. And uh, you know, when we're done with this and this is what the, the second day after he's passed away that we're recording this. Yeah. Uh, consume as much Scott Hall stuff as you can, because I've done it for the last few days and there are so many moments that either I've missed or I've, I've, I, I remember watching, but are so much bigger now that, that I watch it again. And you go, 
I remember that. Why did I not like it then? Or, or holy cow, I totally forgot about this moment and it led to something even bigger. Go do it and enjoy it. Because what, what I said at the beginning of this podcast and what I'm going to say now is there's no shame in going back and revisiting and changing your mind on something and somebody. And that's what happened with Scott Hall to me this week. Yeah. And that's, that's to those who uh, need their minds changed for others. Just go back and relive it, baby. Cause Dude, that shit was fucking there, epic. There's no shame in it. And uh, yeah. man, you know, we lost, we lost a good one and we didn't even talk about the redemption story. I, yeah, I, and no, I, no. Hate, I hate bringing up things, but here's a guy who, you know, and I think we've all had a version of being low, but here's a guy who was at the lowest of the low. Uh, he found people that wouldn't give up on him, and he turned his life around. They were not going to let him in the WWE. Uh, it was Diamond Dallas Page turning him around, or WWE Hall of Fame. It was Diamond mm-hmm. Dallas Page ter- turning him around, getting him sober, bringing him to wrestling shows, showing Vince, and 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 Vince going, all right, uh, he, let's let's do this and it led to one of the greatest hall of fame speeches ever and you watch it and how many times he almost tears it i still almost tear up at the end before he delivers that iconic you know bad times don't last but bad guys do and if you watch it he stops for a half second you can tell he's fighting back the tears and whether it's that speech or William Regal coming out this past week on AEW Dynamite and, and shedding tears. When I see a wrestler uh, shed a tear in that ring and you know it's genuine, I want to ball like a baby. I'm, I will admit that it brings the waterworks out. And, you know, I, I teared up at William Regal's and I teared up at Scott Hall's uh, retirement speech. Well, you know, it's okay to admit because – for so many reasons, it's okay to admit, but yeah. the real the reality is you see a real human being who's put so much of their life, their, their, just everything that they've done into a passion and just the camaraderie that you know that they've had along the way, the ups and downs, everything that it is. It's, we all experience life differently, and these, uh, these wrestlers – make no fucking mistake about it, have given everything, everything they have to the sport. And in their turmoil, when they find the people that can lift them back up, I know it means so much. From my own personal life, I know it means so much. And um, you nailed it there. Um, And on this night where we're celebrating a true wrestling hero, um, I just want to say that I, I... Again, my condolences to all of his friends and family. Uh, I, it's just, it, it's really sad to hear after everything he went through and then the way he passed after everything that he battled. Uh, it's just, it's, it's really, it really sucks. There's really no other way to say it. And again, I can't, I, I can't sit here and say that I was close or anything like that. I'm just a kid who grew up watching him as a wrestling fan. And uh, I'm really glad that we did this episode the way that we did and really paid homage to a man that gave us that entertainment, gave his life for us, for our entertainment. That's not something that you can say for a lot of people. The, the one thing that I'm realizing the older I get 
is it never gets easy when you watch the guys you you used to love pass away. And in the wrestling industry, unfortunately, it, it it's a pandemic, really. You know, we lose uh, amazing talent. It, it seems like daily sometimes because, you know, wrestling in the industry isn't easy on anybody, especially the old timers, the, the guys we grew up on. You know, life was different for those guys. And, the you know, if you're watching this and you're probably under 30, you you won't understand how hard this one hurts us until you're probably in your 40s. And, you, and God forbid, I hope you don't ever go through this, but you start seeing, you know, the guys we're watching now pass away. And then, you know, the redemption story guy that you, you loved ends up going and then not just him, but then you start going down that path of, you know, Scott Hall, you know, and Macho Man, Scott Hall, Mr. Perfect. And you go down this line of, you know, the great guys who have already passed, and it just compounds it because when we're young and we lose Mr. Perfect or we lose Rick Rude, we don't know how to deal with it. We, you know, it brings up all that loss all over again. And it's, and now that we're older, it's okay to admit that you go, God, I, you know, I'm still mourning Mr. Perfect. I just bought the WWE 2K video game. Love it, by the way. And all I'm doing is playing playing these guys that have passed away. Boss man, Mr. Perfect. You know, it, it's, it, it brings back the memories. Right. And I, and I, again, I can only imagine how it is for the people that were close to them. Exactly. We're just fans. Then there's people who are close to the, the it's easy to forget, um, and especially this world, it's it's easy to forget that they, their lives of their own, uh, hopes and dreams, things that they did on a daily basis, just like we do. And, uh, you know, again, the only thing I could say to that is uh, condolences to those who are close to them. And I hope we did, a, I hope those friends were still with us and friends and family are still with us on this planet. Um, think we did an okay job of pulling, pulling some homage for him tonight and uh at least you not so much me yeah i don't think you did a very good job. no i i did a i did a very piss poor job honestly yeah. uh it it doesn't seem like the right time or the right moment to shill anything else we have going on but uh next week we'll we'll promote everything else we have going on that stuff can yeah. wait it's it's scott hall man do you know the it's only thing scott. i would r.i.p to a fucking legend a hall of famer a man that shaped the way I watched wrestling. You listen, the only thing I'm going to promote is go Google a wrestler you've lost that you love and just enjoy stuff all over again. You know, just do that. And, and in the comments, tell us, tell us what you just watched. Uh, tell us your favorite Scott Hall moments. If you're, if you watch this and you go, Mr. Perfect. Oh yeah. Tell me what your favorite, because because we all have those guys that are lost. We've, we've lost now. And Scott Hall, for at least for me, has been that linchpin of going back and enjoying so much other stuff. That- let, me, let me interrupt you again there real quick, Dennis. You touched upon something really cool. You can go back and watch this. We have this stuff because they get it. They put it out there for us. We can go back years from now, tomorrow whatever it is, and rewatch all this shit. We have their chronicles, their history. We have all this, thankfully, 
of what they put out there because they put it out there into the world. This wasn't just a fucking journal at home or some dream at home. They went out and fucking lived it. And that's what makes this special to me. That's what makes this sport, this entertainment, everything super special to me. It's an art form. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm a lifer. And with that, guys, thank you for watching the three with us. He's Johnny Christ. I'm Dennis Farrell. Uh, go watch some Scott Hall stuff, guys. Oh, God damn it. I love you. Was- <laughs> oh, my God. It, the, the Fightful people, if you watch that, you, you clip that moment out and you post all over all your social media because that was a goddamn moment right there. All right. We're into the show. Good night. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.